Hamlet, Act One, Scene One. It's Christmas Eve on the dark battlements of Elsinore, and Marcellus declares, so hallowed and so gracious is the time. It's a holy night, a sacred night which we set apart. And yet it's also, we hear, a gracious night, where God enters our messy reality with his grace, where holiness and humanity meet in Jesus, and hope begins. Christmas is all about grace. We heard in the passage from the prophet Isaiah, so beautifully read, that unto us a child is born and a son is given, not just to Mary, not just to Joseph, but to you and me. He's not a possession of the religious, but he's a gift to you and me. This little bundle of joy, this gift that we receive, unmerited, undeserved, and we also heard, beautifully read as well, in John's Gospel, that those who believe in him have the right to become children of God. This gift of Jesus enables us to belong to God. However unworthy and distant we might feel, just like those shepherds on the outskirts of the town and on the fringes of respectable society, over and over we see that you and I belong to this Christmas story. Back to Shakespeare. Horatio responds to Marcellus by saying, so have I heard, and I do in part believe. At Christmas, we try to dial down cynicism, don't we? And to live with a little more hope. And yet stories of angels and shepherds can feel very far removed from life in Clapham in the 21st century. And I wonder if you, like Horatio, find yourself saying the words, I have heard and I do in part believe. If the hinge of history is a Bethlehem stable door and we are still celebrating the birth of an impoverished Nazarene, then surely it's worth investigating. And I want to tonight to invite you to come and try Alpha. You'll see these flyers in the pews. And it's really a chance for us to come along and to bring our questions. It's a place where everybody belongs, where no question is wrong. But we can begin to work out more and more whether this is something that we want to believe the prophet Isaiah makes very grand statements about this child, what this child will bring. And in the dying minutes of Advent, we pause to remember that Advent is a time when we remember the coming of Jesus, but we also look forward to the coming of Jesus, his return. Not in that poor lowly stable with the oxen standing by. We will see him but in heaven. And we look forward to that day when everything will, will be put right, when every tear will be wiped from every eye. 
and yet it's difficult for us to imagine a world without ISIS, a world without cancer, a world without depression, a world without abuse, a world without fear. The world stage today is dominated by fear. And it's not a million miles away from the world that Isaiah prophesied into. And it's also not a million miles away from Bethlehem as BC turned into AD. The Roman emperor at the time, Octavian, took on a new name, a more impressive name, the name of Caesar Augustus. Names of leaders matter. Will Harry and Meghan be the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, or one of apparently four other options? We'll find out soon. I'd like to think that if, um, if Isaiah had said that this saviour's name would be Gladys or Barry, it might not have packed quite a punch. Don't get me wrong, Gladys and Barry are very nice names. Um, RSS Sir David Attenborough carries a little more gravitas, doesn't it, than Boaty McBoat face. But in that time, names really mattered. And Isaiah says that this son, this gift to you and me, will be called a wonderful counselor. We all have questions. And the advice of friends and agony aunts pales in comparison to the wonderful wisdom that you and I can get from God. We hear that he's going to be called wonderful counselor. He's also called mighty God. And that really is showing us that Jesus isn't just good advice, but good news. He is powerful. This baby grows up to being a man who um, calms the storm. And we can invite him to have an impact in our lives today. He is mighty God. Thirdly, we hear that he will be called everlasting father. See the way that he included people, that people were magnetized to Jesus. He healed people. He fed people both physically and spiritually. And he said, those who have seen me have seen the Father. If we want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If we take nothing else away from Christmas, Jesus is love. And he shows us the love of our Heavenly Father. And fourthly, we hear that he will be called the Prince of Peace. And in a world where peace seems in short supply, we recognize that our peace is, is ultimately rooted in a lack of peace with God. And yet at Christmas, we see that Jesus has come to make peace between us, between each other, and peace with him, peace with God. And Isaiah says that the government will be on his shoulders. And in the context of the nativity, perhaps this gives a new meaning to the phrase stable government. Just like peace. We got there. Just like peace. This isn't the macro, but the micro too. In my life, the government of my life, not just the government of the world, but of my life, Life can be hard, and we can carry around a lot of worry with us, can't we? 
in verse 4, we see that Jesus will break burdens. He'll take the yoke of burdens off people, not carrying around burdens, but putting them onto the shoulders of Jesus. On the cross, we see that Jesus has carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. And it's really saying to him, when we're saying we want the government to be on his shoulders, it's saying, Jesus, you're so much better at organizing my life than I am. We know what Jesus' character is like. We know that on top of being totally powerful, he is totally gracious and totally loving. So we can trust him. We can put this Jesus into the driving seat of our life. A life now, in the present, lived wisely and well, and a world ahead of peace, love, and stability. This is the kind of world that the prophet Isaiah invites us to imagine. And if we get a little carried away this Christmas with the hope of what is to come, then I can't think of a better way for us to get carried away. The great social reformer William Wilberforce was sat where you are a couple of hundred years ago. And his mission, his life's goal, mirrored the announcement of joy from the angels to the shepherds. He was a man that wrote in his diary at Christmas that he was explicitly devoting his life to the glory of God and the good of his fellow creatures. Wilberforce took off the yoke of slavery in the name of Jesus and in love of his fellow human. Jesus' kingdom is coming. Hope is real. We see glimmers of light already, and he invites us to live at peace with him and at peace with each other. This coming kingdom where slavery is no more, and we see today that Jesus is going on breaking chains of addiction, behaviors and mindsets that enslave. Both of our readings show us that light shines into darkness, that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And amidst Isaiah's profound pronouncements about Jesus' names, the reality is also a child born into complete vulnerability, born into complete weakness, and a cold, dark stable. Jesus' birth is off stage. It's off center. And if we let him, he will today enter, enter the dark corners of our hearts and souls and fill them with more and more and more light. The stuff of Christmas, the, the parties and preparations, the friends and family, are all good things. But the glory of this time of year and the hope for a brighter world is found supremely in the face of Jesus. The headlines might seem to dominate, 
but the dominant figure of history remains Jesus. Year after year, decade after decade, century after century, millennium after millennium. I do in part believe. Let your doubts diminish and receive again tonight this gift of hope. Earlier in the week, I was at a lunch, and as I was leaving the lunch, I was, I was handed um, a couple of, of lint chocolate balls. Has anyone had any of, those, any of those yet this year? Yeah, good. So everybody knows that if you're handed one of these, you don't refuse that gift. Um, but I was in a rush, and I was rushing off somewhere else, and I made the complete rookie error of putting those lint chocolate balls in my pocket. And later... I found in my pocket my, my wallet, my keys, and yes, my dog collar covered in very tasty chocolate. I washed it, I washed the dog collar for tonight, you'll be pleased to know. But if we learn anything at Christmas, it's that we know that we can come to God in mess. But it's also possible, isn't it, to acknowledge a gift even to be grateful for a gift, but not really to open the gift. Jesus gives us the right to become children of God. And can I encourage you to be like a child this Christmas? Go for broke. Unwrap this present to you. Ask Jesus to be your wonderful counselor, to be your mighty God, to be your everlasting Father, to be your Prince of Peace, to be God with you. Is Christmas this year going to be a fleeting festivity, or is it going to be a firm foundation? So holy and so gracious is the time. Happy Christmas. Amen.